intro for this podcast this all right is- here's the here's the podcast hello i'm dr boom <laughs> and i'm going to introduce the very first episode of tuesday night's podcast that is with your host sbj that's me hey uh and i'm alan girding uh i'm sean mccoy really good give and take there uh <laughs> Sorry, I'm already teasing you, and we're two seconds into this. I apologize. Look at perfect. We we've already got a podcast. We can wrap it up now. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that was Tuesday night podcast. I'm Doctor Boom. Now, all right. Uh, is this podcast coming out on Tuesday nights? Is that the is that the thing? Are we planning? Well, yeah, we're hoping to release them on Tuesday night, right? Right, right. But, but we're are not you record- asking this Tuesday? I uh, I wouldn't think this Tuesday. I think we <laughs> we are not ready for that. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, we still haven't decided on a graphic yet, uh, although I think all three of us have seen the iterations. I sent SBJ the assets, graphical assets, Sean, and um, where are we at? With. Yeah, where, where, where are you at, SBJ, on that? Yeah, uh, I've decided that red looks better than orange. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And then the mm-hmm. last the last version I sent you via Twitter, I think it's going to be that pretty cl- pretty close to that, but red. Okay. All right. Well, we'll have to send Sean that for approval. But hey, this is your Twitter. show, man. What? You approve? I've got Twitter. I can look this up. It was it was through the direct message. Yeah. He uh, didn't tweet. I, I have a, Trust me. I could look it up. <laughs> <laughs> He's uh, got contacts, apparently. Uh, so this is a board game podcast. It's somewhat, yeah. But we're going to talk about everything. Uh, I was telling Sean before we got on, it, it's my goal to make sure that Nobody likes me after they listen to the podcast, so we'll talk about all of that stuff that, no, uh, like I figure we'll just be real. We'll have conversations, but we'll try to stay on topic, and I think that's your job, SBJ, is to try to keep us on topic. Sure, yeah. A, yeah. And kind of right. narrate through segments and keep the show at an appropriate time. We're aiming for these podcasts to be about 30 minutes long, and I think last week we we did 40 minutes, which so so we already broke the first rule there. We don't talk about episode zero. Sean wasn't involved. Oh, okay. <laughs> if you can't, if you can't be good, you should at least be short. It's like a good rule of thumb. Yep, that's how I got my wife to marry me. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we. I I think I'm gonna aim for 20 minutes because Sean and I will probably ramble. So if you could rein us in, that would be amazing. But I have an idea for a first segment. You guys ready for the first segment idea? Okay. Hold on. Okay, I'm ready. Okay. What you playing? It's time to talk about what we've been playing lately. Boop-a-doop-boo. We should probably get an actual... In fact, it's going to be edited in right here. Well, that was an amazing an amazing segue music for that segment the 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 most precise edits in this podcast it's amazing right uh but hey what have you guys been playing lately in fact sean is that you i'm hearing clicking what you clicking sean that's not me man 
What? It's not me. SBJ, you clicking your mouse? I was not clicking. I actually have a trackpad, so there's no click there. Yeah. I mean, Sean hmm. was clicking earlier. He could talk yeah. about that. What were you playing earlier, Sean? Uh, I was playing Hearthstone. Well, let's not talk about uh, a video game or an online game. Would you even call Hearthstone a video game? I would say it's yeah. a card game that just can't be created into real life. And you say video game, Sean? Yeah, I mean, I play it with a computer, so. <laughs> All right, we'll branch off into that. Let's make the first game we talk about on the Tuesday night podcast a tabletop game. Yeah. Like Spyfall? Spy did you play Spyfall recently, SBJ? I did, yeah. That's Let's actually kind of the only game I've been playing. Nice. Because it's that good or because your friends refuse to play anything else? Uh, no, it, it is that good. I, I think my friends and I were really burnt out of the resistance. Sure. Oh, man, I got so much to talk about with that, but keep on going. And usually, like, the first two games of the resistance goes pretty well, and then everyone wants a third, and then that's when, like, hurt feelings begin. Oh, man. Yep. And then yeah. you kind of... When you finish a game, there's always, like, that great like retrospect of talking about what happened and are you usually talking about how the friendships ended or are you talking about what happened in the game what happened in the game all right but then the resistance gets like this uh nature of like well it was your fault we lost or it was like why did you do this and then it kind of becomes a blame game afterwards at least in my group of friends and uh there's a lot of hurt feelings and so when i heard about spyfall and i picked it up and I taught uh, taught my play group it. They really, really liked it. And it was more, there was a lot more laughter. And it's just a, a funnier game and more relaxed than Re the Resistance. Even though it kind of is like, it, there's like one spy instead of a group of spies. And it's very stressful for that one person. But the rest of the table kind of really enjoys it. And I think there's a more satisfying win condition for that spy if they are able to win. I couldn't agree more. Fast. Yeah. Yeah, I always set the timer to I think the rule book says eight minutes, and I think eight minutes is a good good amount of time for everyone to go through and ask their questions and try to figure it out. I usually do one minute per player because eight minutes with only a, you know fewer players is almost too much for the spy. Or too much time for the spy. So it makes it harder for the spy. So I just say one minute per player because I like it when the spy wins, because the biggest complaint anyone ever has is you nailed it. It's too stressful when you're the spy. You're freaking out. Yeah, I had this uh, great game where I was the spy for the first time, and th they were at the school, and they kept, like, every time somebody would say something, they would kind of say it with an induendo. They were just like, oh, doing your, like, I got some papers to grade. Or <laughs> it was that obvious. Right. And I was like, they're like every the whole table was doing this. And I was like, they are making it like it, there's no way it could be like the college because like it is blatantly obvious. So like and they were like, I'll see you after words after class tonight. And I was just like, no, like this cannot be the school. And so I thought it was the strip club because I like they were saying everything with like somewhat of like a sexual tone. And I was like, it has to be the strip club because they're all laughing and they're all oh, like wow. on the yeah. same page. And there's no way it's obviously, but it was the school and I was wrong. Yeah, it was so <laughs> obvious. Hidden in plain sight. I love it. Uh, Let me ask you, Sean, do you think for the listeners, we should give a brief explanation of the games that we're talking about? Or should we just assume? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> yeah. I no. hate that. 
my my least favorite thing about board game journalism right now is everyone is required to explain how to play the game and explain the theme before we get down to like whether they liked it or whether it's any fun. I mean, you guys can feel free to, uh, but you know, I feel like it just takes up so much time. It's like, ah, if you think we're cool and you like the game, like go look up how to play the game. There's a billion people that do that better. Does that make sense? Totally. No, I agree. And a lot of the times when people are explaining it over podcasts, they're just like, I, I kind of get it. Yeah. 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 Sink or swim then, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> the you best, don't know the it, best check thing it out. I think you could just say, you know, like, oh, it's like resistance. It's a hidden it's rule game. Resistance. Yeah. yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. Like, well, here are my thoughts on Spyfall. And then, Sean, you can totally chime in because you played Spyfall while you were living with me, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Spyfall, first of all, the theme? No. No. I mean, I, first of all, let me first clarify. Love the game. I love the game because the only hard time is when you're the spy because it's really stressful. And if you can muscle through those few times that you're the spy – it really brings people together. And you really hammered that home, SBJ, because my big beef with the resistance, as Sean knows, is there's been so many friendships that have just burned alive because of resistance. And I think that is because it rewards emotional bullying. If I'm a jerk, it actually is a winning strategy because if I'm getting visually upset, hey man, I'm not the spy you'll think, well, this isn't worth getting in a fight over, so I'll back off because I don't want it to be more awkward than it's already become. And that has happened so many times where people are like, ah, I was actually the spy. I won that game. And it makes me say, did you though? Did anyone actually <laughs> win that game? I'm not sure anyone did. So that's why Spyfall is amazing. So the theme though, I can't hear how a spy would be listening in. And I think there'd be a couple fixes they could just call it archer and archer as in if they got that license from the cartoon just a totally incompetent spy maybe or an alien that has no idea where they're at like what what i don't understand what this is i don't know something anyone get to back me up here or no am i hanging dry between the two of you guys it's definitely not like the best theme in the world by any means i think it the main mechanic it gets across is like that resistance mechanic of like, okay, one of you is the traitor and the rest of us are fucking with you. And so like it puts that idea into your head really quickly, but then that's where the theme totally falls off the cliff, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like when you say one of you is the spy, I think everybody instinctively knows like, ooh, one of us has to lie a lot, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so it explains that quickly. But yeah, I don't think – it's definitely not a thematic game by any means. And he, the other thing I want to say about it that isn't groundbreaking at all – is the print and play better than the actual published version? Uh, are you playing a print and play SBJ, or are you playing the published version? I have the I have the published version. I forget where where I picked it up, but I, I picked it up during the time where like it was sold out everywhere. And then I discovered the i like the iPhone web app, or just when you enter the website and everyone enters a code to join. Have you heard about that? Oh my goodness, no! But you have me drooling. Okay, so uh, if everyone has a, like a smartphone at the table, all you do is uh, one person goes to the website, and I can't remember what it's called, but then you hit create game, and it gives you a four-digit code, and then you tell everyone to hit join game, and they enter your four-digit code, and then when you hit start game, it will assign everyone uh, with their phones, and the cool thing is like once the spy, spy is like, assigned, it also shows a whole list of all the locations right below. Nice. 
Yes. And like yes. that's the biggest flaw to Spyfall is mm-hmm. like there's thir- I think 30 locations and if you're the spy for the first time you can't help but look and try to figure out like okay there are 30 locations I only have like two memorized and everyone else doesn't have to memorize anything they know exactly where they are. Yeah, you're preaching to the choir cuz that's why the print and play on the print and play on the back of the cards is all the locations. So everyone just habitually looks at the back of their card because I know when I'm a spy, I don't want this to look suspicious. But the idea that it's on your cell phone, people are already buried in their cell phones too much as it is. So it will totally look natural if you're just looking at your phone. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of cool. And I, I like the, that the game is short. I've had games of resistance go for 45 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've had them go longer. Yeah, it's it can be painful. Hey, uh, Sean, what about you? What have you been playing? Anything? I've been playing Hearthstone. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, I uh, in Portland. I had I got to go to a board game night with um, Caitlin and Scott, um, a couple of friends of ours, and um, we had a really cool night where um, we played Fake Artist Goes to New York, uh, Monikers, and yes. what was the third game we played? I have it written down here. Um, but it really, everything really blended into each other. It was a really chill night. Like everybody was very, um, like good sports. Everybody was there to have fun. I don't know. Um, oh, and code names. Yeah. So we started off with code names, and then we played um, fake artist goes to New York, and then we moved into monikers. And it had this almost like, like those games belong together. Like you should have bought them in a pack because they just moved very seamlessly from one into the other. But three super great party games um, that I really totally enjoyed. Have you played Monikers yet, SBJ? Yeah, yeah, I backed. Uh, I backed the Kickstarter. Nice. Super awesome. Have you played the cooperative version where it's everyone together? No. Oh wow. Well, <laughs> let me tell you, I'm really biased, but I love it. I think everyone should own Monikers and try at least the cooperative version. Is that it's just awesome. another rule set in the instruction booklet? Yeah, if you look in the back of the instruction booklet, it says how to play cooperatively by Alan Girding. <laughs> what? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we play cooperatively. Uh, it's by our friends, Alex Haig and Justin. And it's uh, even if I didn't know those guys and they're terrific guys, they the game is the, the single most played game of all time. And that's coming from the creator of Two Rooms and a Boom. So at my Tuesday night gatherings we called it but it's one every, every tuesday night i have a whole bunch of people and they play games since the name of our company the most requested game by far is monikers as soon as there's a lull that's last 30 seconds where no one's saying anything monikers monikers all right let's do monikers right? and that's the way it goes but surprisingly we did not play monikers this tuesday what was the middle game that you said there's an artist in new york fake or- artist goes to new york i've never even heard of it can you give it? It's an oink game. So it's this Japanese game. Um, gorgeous, tiny little box that just fits the components exactly. Um, but it's essentially uh, Spyfall mixed with Pictionary. We, we all get a pen and we all know what word we're trying to draw. And one of us doesn't. One of us is the fake artist. So we pass this pad, of pen, uh, pad around and we each have a colored marker and we each get to make one line, one continuous line. Um, so as long as you don't pick up your pen. And at the end of the, the round, we all get to make two lines, um, like we all get two turns. Uh, the fake artist 
if they guess what the drawing is, they win. So if, you know, they guess, oh, that's obviously a tree. Um, but if we all we all get to vote, and if we all vote for who the fake artist is, like it's if it's obvious who the fake artist is, you know, we win, and they yeah, get a chance to guess there. You too. had me at Pictionary meets uh, Spyfall. Spyfall, super yeah. super fun, um, and it's just like really light, inoffensive. It's one of these minimal Japanese type games, um, and it's obviously it's funny because you know four of you are trying to draw a car, and one of you is trying to look like you're drawing whatever it is everybody else is drawing, but then again, like people are bad artists. And so like, you, you know, people are like you, we were drawing a car. What were you drawing? You're like, I was drawing a car, you know, but, I but I'm know, really bad. And at the end of the game, it looks like you just have a stack of drawings drawn by like a five-year-old, you know, cause they're all over the place and there's no co cohesion. And there's obviously one person who has no clue what they're doing. Um, so I almost weird. imagine this is the first game that punishes you for having good art skill. Like, I imagine you'd have to be horrible. You're like, I was drawing a car. Sean, we know you know how to draw a car. You're an artist. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> you're the artist that's lost in New York? Well, since you only get to make one line, it's not like your art skills can be great. And you also want to match it up with everyone else. And it's funny because there's this mentality you have where you want your line to help. So if two, like somebody drew circles somewhere and they don't make sense to you. Oh, wait, this is all on the try. same piece of paper? It's all on the same piece of paper. Oh. Yeah. So you're trying to make their lines make sense so that you show you know what's going on, you know. Um, it's wow. pretty awesome. Super, super great game. It's tiny. I mean, it's like, I don't know, it's like a little bit thicker than a deck of cards. I mean, it's, it's thicker than that, but it's a small box. It's pretty cool. Very cool. You, uh... Ready for my games? You guys, okay. you can say no, like, no, we don't want you to talk. That's fine. That was kind of a lose-lose situation. That was dumb. Here are my games. Uh, I played Code Names, uh, and that's pretty much it. I mean, I played some Splendor, and I played Loop and Chewy. You guys uh, play Loop and Chewy yet? No, I've been staying away from the whole, like, Star Wars craze recently. Well, you do realize it's just a re-theme of Loop and Louie, right? Totally. <laughs> and you've played Loop and Louie before, yeah? No, I've been staying away from the whole Louie-themed games recently. What? No, Louis I'm kidding. Amazing. I, I've like, never there's played. so many yeah. good Louis, like uh, Louis Braille and it's Louis. Great. Who's the artist? Pasteur, or whatever. So Louis Louis. Louis, yeah, and Lou, and yeah, Louis C.K. Anyway, uh, SBJ, help me out here. You've totally played Loop and Louie or Loop and Chewy at least, yeah? Zero, no. What? <laughs> All right, that's getting old quick in this podcast. Uh, so you guys know what it's about, yeah? You're like uh, Chewbacca and you're drunk and so you're just like spinning around in circles? Yeah, kind of. Uh, so you're protecting, you're actually, I think, bad guys because you have stormtroopers. Let's just talk about the original Loop and Louie. Crazy ass flyer, Loop and Louie's at it again. He's drunk and flying all over the place. And you've got to protect your chicken coop because he keeps on crashing in your chickens, murdering them. So it's a it's an agility game and it's a kid's game that is incredibly highly addictive. Supposedly someone actually built a gigantic looping Louie that it was attached to a car motor that was ridiculous. But the idea is he spins around, uh, like, like actually spins around and you have your station. So all four of you and Loop and Louie have your little station. You have three chickens. And if he crashes in your chickens, you lose one. And so you have to hit this little 
trampoline to catapult, uh, teeter-totter. Teeter-totter is the best explanation. You hit one button and the other end goes up and it bumps the bottom of his plane and sends him back up in the air and hopefully into your opponents. And the last person with their chickens is still there. So Loop and Chewy is the same thing, except it's three player. And instead of Loop and Louie, it's Chewy and the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. Yeah. So we were playing that. And then uh, we played some code names. And the interesting thing is, man, do I love code names. Yeah. Until I realized it was starting to hurt friendships, just like SBJ talked about resistance. (laughs) Because afterwards, people were like, why did you do this? And why did you do that? And apparently there's rules that some of us didn't know and some of us don't agree with that kind of split the group, too. For instance, if you read the rules closely, you can challenge someone if they give you a clue that you don't think applies. Kind of like calling your pockets in billiards, like an eight ball, like corner pocket, nine ball, and you hit it. Apparently, they can. someone can say, I challenge you, what the hell does engine have to do with moon? And it just sets up this item of contention where people can say, well, obviously, I meant the moon lander. You can just make it up. So it's just they have a, an actual rule in the book that makes it so you can argue with each other. And then they're really specific about what you're allowed to say and what you're not supposed to say in the rule book. I totally get you shouldn't say a word that's on the board. I can't just say moon, one, and they flip over moon. But you're also not allowed to say, like, legs eight if there's a spider. And I understand why they do this. They do this so that we can't come up with some devious plan ahead of time. Like, hey, if I say a word that starts with A, I mean the first row. If I say a letter, a word that starts with B, I mean the second row. And the number is the place in there anyway. Uh, and the number of letters is how many words. It, you could come up with some generic system. Professional codename players. Exactly. <laughs> and the rule of thumb is don't play with those people. Why would you just, and Sean and I have talked about this in our publishing because people have said, oh, you don't want to do that because people can cheat. For instance, in two rooms in a boom, you could have the president and the doctor lie and say, oh, we totally card shared, but they didn't. And people said, what are you going to do about that? How do you prevent people from lying? And my answer is always the same. How do you prevent someone from looking over the screen in Battleship? don't do that um but i can see how i I don't know i it's it's a hot button i think this cuts both ways i know i you know i know the situation a little bit more personally Mm -hmm. um but like for instance the contention and the challenging i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing but if you play with people who challenge and they're dicks like that's a that's an around the table problem you know what i mean like i've played scrabble a billion times where people have been like, mm, I don't know about that, and it's been fine. And obviously in Scrabble you can look up the word, um, but I would I would add the caveat like a challenge mechanic doesn't necessarily need to be contentious. You know what I mean? It's that's more about the personalities involved. To me, it sounds like. So I'm, I think I'm, I'm a little confused on the rules. So let's say the the one your blue team and a word was blue. And I say, and the the word was moon, and I say horse, and for whatever reason, my team points at moon. That is when they would challenge. Yeah, they say, could what challenge. does horse have to do with moon? Yeah, mm-hmm. they could challenge. Yeah, that's in the rule book. And then what? Like, okay, so if so, obviously the word is right in the retrospect of, in the in the aspect of it's being blue. But then what do you do? Do you remove the word? Does it go away? Do they not get the point? Because they know that that that's your word. Then at that point, sure. 
That's a really good question. And I guess I should have read the rule book further instead of burning it right there when I read that rule. I didn't even <laughs> let it finish. Uh, like, have you read the rule for the timer? The timer rule? Do you know the timer rule on this? Pop quiz. When I was demoing, they said you can you can just flip a timer over if people are taking too long. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. Like, give somebody like a minute to think of a word to say and then give people a minute to answer like or however long the timer was. I was like, that makes sense. Was there more of a rule to that? No, that's it. And here's here's my man. I'm coming off so negative. Episode one, man, I guess I'm going to be that guy. So in designing (laughs) games, uh, the one thing I like to ask myself is, is this rule making it more fun or less fun? And let's and the other rule is, hey, if there if something can happen within your rules, it will happen. For instance, if there's some really rare case that would break the game, you can't just publish the game and be like, yeah, there may be some strange circumstances that happen sometime that break the game. That will happen. So with that being said, let's think about that. Instead of using the timer or not using the timer, anyone at any time could say, geez, Meredith, hurry up already and slam down the timer. That right there kind of creates contention too, because then maybe Meredith will think, well, then you have this. This all leads to people probably increasing hostility. It should just be agreed upon beforehand, like, hey, are we going to use the timer or are we not going to use the timer? I can see a group saying, let's just use the timer if we think someone's going over a minute or two. Let's not make it really official. Just maybe a visual reference, but we're not going to go ahead and really, you know, rule Nazi this thing. But I think all this that we're talking about right now just boils down into one simple fact that I think any game is only as good as the players with whom you play because you don't want to be playing with people that have poor sportsmanship. You want to be playing with friends and people that are lighthearted and they're there for fun. Can I, does that sound right? At least that's in my mind. No, no, that's sure. Yeah. Totally makes sense. Like I, I, I've set up like the game of Thrones game before and I was like, I was so excited for it. And, it was like my it was coming off my high of just watching like the first four seasons and and I set it up and I was like so excited and the first like two turns were great and then all of a sudden one person realized that they were kind of getting screwed on both sides and like kind of just gave up playing and it was like oh that's rough yeah like we just mm-hmm. spent like 45 minutes like explaining the rules in the first two turns and now you're kind of done and uh all right I guess we're gonna end this game early I saw a thing uh we were playing that fake artist goes to New York and uh, one person felt like they had been found out, but they hadn't, you know, really. And so they just drew like a random squiggly line. They were just like, Oh, I don't know. And this, and we were all like, Oh, Hey, well, we were still having fun. And they weren't mad at all. They just, you know, kind of felt like they could, they didn't know what to do. And it was funny because Scott, who, you know, Alan, like was so yeah. gracious. I and didn't realize like, you played with Scott that first night too. So it was you, Caitlin, no, and no, this Scott. was uh, the night you. This is Sunday night, the night you left. Oh, this is when I left. Yeah, God, I'm um, so jealous. I'm so jelly. And so he was just like, "Okay, cool, but look, no doing that anymore. No, uh, just totally throwing in the towel because uh, that's not fun for the rest of us." And I thought it was pretty cool, like, you know, that he could he could address. She wasn't being a poor sport by any means. Um, but he just nipped it in the bud. You know what I mean? He was yeah. like, Hey, don't do that. That's not super fun. Um, but he was it's graceful. Kind of like we this were all podcast. Like- <laughs> it's like, it's organic in that we're starting off just loosey goosey. And then as a group, we establish a dynamic and house rules and then it's going to be super tight. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, it is kind of like that. <laughs> Sounds like 
Were you watching the time? Do you see that it's approaching 30 minutes? And that's why I do see it's approaching 30 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, In fact, we should probably go into the next segment. You guys ready for the next segment? Sure. Is it the conclusion? It probably, (laughs) yeah, it should be our last segment. Here we go. Uh, This segment I like to call uh, get to know each other. (laughs) Because here's the truth of the matter. Wait, cue in the uh, segment music. That was awesome. Good job once again. I didn't like that one as much. It's definitely it definitely didn't wasn't as good as what you playing, uh, if that's what we call the first segment. <laughs> uh, but you know, I think I, I guess there's room for improvement. But it was good. It was good. Always room for improvement. Yeah. Uh, all right. So the truth of the matter is, Sean and I know each other really well. In fact, I probably have counted the amount of pubes he has at some point. So we know each other too well. Two. But that's, two. It was really easy. So don't be impressed. Uh, <laughs> But SBJ, we don't know you that much <laughs> at all. So we figure this is a good time for all of us to get to know each other. So uh, we could do this in question format where, you know. Hold on. Like- Gu- guilty confession. So SBJ, you'd been playing Tombs and a Boom at Gen Con for a couple years in a row. Yeah, so- yeah. Oh, what was that, our third year this, this past third Gen year? Con? Mm-hmm. And this year we were on that uh, podcast that you know Donald did and Border Life did, and I felt like I got to know you. And then throughout it, you revealed like, oh, and you know I've been playing two rooms at a boom for the past three years, and I had no idea. And I was like, what? How have you been playing this for three years and I haven't met you before? Maybe I have met you before and I've forgotten. Just that guilty con moment where it's like, you know, because I have friends that I met three years ago at Gen Con that I'm really close to now, and so it's like, I don't know. So I'm glad to be getting to know you, but I felt super guilty that you come <laughs> and play the game and uh, I hadn't, you know. Like... I followed you, Steve. I mean, sorry, SBJ. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't really know how that happens. I usually when I go to like Gen Con or other expos, I, I try not to network as weird as that right. sounds. Yeah, no, absolutely. But like I'm with, I'm with a bunch of friends and, and my girlfriend. So at the time it's like, oh, I could stay and talk to like, Sean and Alan, and that would be really cool because, you know, I've been seeing them every year, but then it's like, well, what are they going to do? Because I'm kind of like the direction of the group. Mm-hmm. And so then I always kind of feel bad where it's like, oh, you guys should do it. go do something. And they're like, well, we, we didn't know what to do. What do you want to do? And I was like, you're all adults. Go do something. Yeah. Just to be clear for the listeners, anytime SBJ would walk up every year, your posse has seemed to have grown. Like, I think like the first year when we were just demoing it and, we, and I think you were even playing when we had tokens instead of leaders do you yeah, remember that yep. like tokens yeah you're still playing i think it was just like you and two other people or at least mm-hmm. it seemed and then when we had our acts together and we're actually doing official two rooms and a boom events you came with a handful of people and then this year it seemed like a whole bunch of people now i don't know if they knew you if they're with you but yeah it seemed like you were the leader guy not to offend any of them hopefully they don't feel like robin to batman or something like yeah, that. yeah yeah no a lot of a lot of my friends now have like I've I've introduced so many people to Gen Con that they or not to Gen Con to board games that it was like a lot of them like live in Michigan or Washington D.C. or or Texas or something and so that's like our our way to see each oh. other. So mm-hmm. I never want to be like, all right, like thanks for hanging out, but like for the next two hours, like, see ya. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I, I totally get that, man. And I feel like I have the least fun at a show. When I'm the most worried about networking, 
like when I'm more concerned with like meeting people than I am with like, well, I'm just going to do what I want to do and I'll meet the people that I happen to meet. But I've had, you know, my heart broken the most when it's like, man, I got to meet this person or I got to talk to this person. Or I got to share this idea with so-and-so. It just gets, you know, it's dangerous. Yeah. And how we, we started talking a lot that, that last Gen Con and it was mostly because I saw Donald. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, like I was talking to Donald earlier and I wasn't like looking for him. I just, it was just like, oh, he's here. Maybe I should, maybe I should just say something. And that's when all three of us really started talking. And that was like organic, right? And like, here we are. I don't know. I definitely like. Just I, so I our listeners know, when we mention Donald, we mean Donald Schultz of Bored with Life, <laughs> a YouTube show that's hilarious and entertaining, actually has some drama and definitely stories. Well said. All right. So let's uh, <laughs> tighten this up so we can wrap this up. How about we do it this way? Uh, one question for someone each, right? So obviously, Sean and I have the advantage because we uh, there's two of us and one of you, Steve. I'm SBJ. Damn it. I just want to call you Super Blow J, and I think that's not appropriate. So I'm just going to go with Steve. And I call you that because I know your severe love of bubblegum. That's one thing I know. So that's why. Okay. So why bubblegum? Yeah. Why do you like bubblegum so much? Why Super Blow J? Like gum is spelled with a G, not a J? No, Super Blow J. He's really good with bubblegum tricks. That's why SBJ. I feel like you're. Causing more cloudiness with the audience. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. I'm making this up. No, when I hear SBJ, it's fun. I had a cat named BJ, and I didn't realize at the time as a kid because people would come over like, hey, what's your cat's name? I'm like, BJ. And the adults would be like, oh, okay. And there's definitely adults I know as BJ. But my parents are hypersexual, and I didn't realize it until later on because the other cat that was with BJ was Cunnilingapus. And <laughs> so it was one of these things that, I, oh, that's, that's Cunny. We just call him Cunny. Connie, ah. So uh, it wasn't until I was older that like, oh, you didn't mean like Bobby Robert Jr. or anything like that. So they meant the other thing. So I hear SBJ and I assume it must stand for super. But I, for some reason, I met you as Steve. I don't know how I met you as Steve. Maybe just from looking at your badge. Yeah, but probably. Probably. All right. So let's let's clamp down on this. Let's get some organized, guys. We're not going to be derailed every time. So here we go. One question each. Uh, SBJ, ask us a question and we'll answer it with the utmost honesty. Oh, the utmost honesty. Okay, let's try to keep it board game related since it's the first episode. At least that's my mentality. Uh, All right. This is Alan, getting to what, know each other. Here we go. Alan, what is your all-time favorite board game? The first thing that comes to my mind is Play-Doh 3000. It's, uh, most people haven't heard of it. It was by Cambridge Games, and it's two-player, plays two to four-player, but you need another deck to play three or four-player. Oh, man. Uh, But it's basically the best way to explain it. It's Gin Rummy with abilities, and I love Gin Rummy, and I love abilities. So you put them together, and it makes this really tight, awesome game that is totally out of print, so that doesn't do anyone any good. In fact, if you have a copy, it's probably valuable. So, uh, yeah, I would say Plato 3000. Yeah. Now you know so much about me. <laughs> All right, Sean, you want to ask SBJ a question? Yeah, man. Uh, what was your worst board gaming experience? He's going to say this. He's going to say right now. <laughs> There's so many. Uh, <laughs> um, hmm, I'm trying to think of like a 
I have like a lot of games on my shelf that like have you ever played a game and then like the experience was so bad that you never want to play that game again? Sure. I've played games that are broken that you can't actually play that are published. And I've gone on BGG and everyone's like, yep, game's broken. Can't play it. How did this get published? Kickstarter. (laughs) (laughs) I want to say probably. Oh, man, I can't uh, put me on the spot. I've had some pretty bad games of Betrayal, House on the Hill. Oh, yeah. Oh, like Friendship's Lost because of that? Um, It's not so much that. It's. So I'm I'm the the guy in the group that reads all the rules and explains all the rules. Oh, that guy. And I I kind of like it's kind of like oh I I enjoy doing it. It's really cool. But then like don't get mad at me if you weren't paying attention, kind of thing. Oh, totally. I think any one of us that have ever taught a rule before have felt that. So you'll get nothing but empathy from me. My biggest pet peeve with reading like being the rule teacher is. Like if a scenario hasn't come up, it's like, hey, guys, I read these rules once. I'm teaching you for the first time. I'm sorry that we never came across this before. We looked it up, and I know you would have done your turn differently if you had known that, but we just didn't know it. Let's just roll with it. But the the, the weird thing about Betrayal is there's a lot of – I play with a lot of people who aren't – like would never, ever read a rule book or ever play these games if it wasn't for uh, like me and my girlfriend who are – my girlfriend and I who are very into board games, but it's just like – when you're playing betrayal and somebody turns out to be the the betrayer, it's the whole like I cannot I cannot not play that game without thinking like this game is going to go really bad if person A is the betrayer because I know that they're <laughs> the weakest at reading rules and you can't like read their rules for them because it spoils the game. Right. Right. So that game's kind of frustrating in that aspect and that happens all the time. It's just like okay, well we get like. A uh, four out of five chance that this person won't be the oh never mind they are they are okay well, uh, well good let's luck. just flip over the table now <laughs> let's just take a dump on the table right now and just end it because it will have the same outcome yep like good luck there's 40 scenarios I only know of like 10 of them and I doubt that you have any of the 10 that I understand <laughs> wow that's awesome all right one last question Sean this one's for Sean from me Sean I heard that they found it. Is that true? <laughs> yeah, they found her body in the woods uh, the other day, yeah. I mean, we probably shouldn't be talking about this on a podcast, but uh, any anything ever happened of it so far? Is well, they it... called my mom to get her dental records, um, and uh, my mom had to get them from my uncle, but the only way they could identify her was because of her bottom teeth, she had this weird like. Uh, oh, did your mom cue in onto this, or was it just like so? Did you know that they knew because of the phone call to your mom, or did you hear it from other source? No, I was sort of just around. You know, like my dad mentioned, like, "Oh, your mom's digging through dental records," and you know, they don't really seem to know what's going on. And you know. and so you just kind of looked over her shoulder and saw those are her dental records. Uh-huh. Yep. Oh my. Oh my. All right, so, hey, that's episode one of <laughs> Tuesday Night Podcasts. Very good. Uh, yeah. Alan, where can the listeners find you if you want oh, to be found? If I want to be found, I'm all over the place. I'm on Facebook as Alan Girding, and or I'm he, on Twitter. He will add anyone that adds him on Facebook. That is actually true. If you friend request me, I will add you. So, boom. Or Facebook. It's crazy. 
Yeah, or if you want to find me, sorry, that's my dog shaking. Um, <laughs> or if you want to find me on Twitter, I'm at Alan Gerding. And that's spelled the English way, A-L-A-N-G-E-R, ding. Ding spelled D-I-N-G for those of you. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, SBJ, how do they find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter. It is at Dragging A Lake, D-R-A-G-G-I-N-G-A-L-A-K-E. What is that a reference to, by the way? It's oh, man. the same thing we've been talking about, Sean. <laughs> it all comes full circle now. It's full sure. circle, right? Yeah. Maybe we shouldn't joke about murder on a podcast. It's probably a trigger for some people like, oh, those guys think they're so funny joking about murder because <laughs> we're joking about it. You're just trying to be as popular as Serial was. Right. Yeah. Yes. That's exactly it. Cool. But ideally, you can just find us on Tuesday Night Games, right? Sure. Um, yeah. TuesdayNightGames.com or our Tuesday Night Game Facebook or our Tuesday Night Game Twitter, which I believe we're going to give you some control over, SBJ, so you can have creative control. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Sean, where can they find you? Uh, at Sean McCoy, S-E-A-N-M-C-C-O-Y. Sweet. Or uh, you can email contact at TuesdayNightGames.com about any complaints you have, and I'll get those too. <laughs> cool. We didn't even get to talk about XOXO Fest. So much time goes by so quickly. <laughs> Man. All right. all right. What should our sign-off be? I I've been thinking about this all week. I haven't thought of a good one. And the podcast is over. I'm Alan Girding. I'm SBJ. Oh, sorry. I thought by saying in the podcast was over, we'd be done. I am Sean McCoy. And the podcast is... Over. <laughs>